Welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Can you tell me how to get, how to get to BuddyCast? Welcome everyone to another episode of everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a very special buddy, my buddy puppeteer, Bradley Freeman. How you doing today, buddy? I'm great, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. You know, you're so I'm welcome. Glad, I'm glad we finally got to do this episode. I know last time you were miles and yeah. miles in the air when we were. Yeah, yeah, I was a couple a couple miles high, literally, not figuratively. I was actually in the sky. Yeah, uh, and I just didn't have the Wi-Fi to do it. But I'm yep. so glad that I actually got to do it. I'm so glad that we can make this happen. We're glad to have you on the show. So, buddy, I got to start by asking, what sparked your interest in becoming a puppeteer? Gosh. Um, so I, I really, I always loved anything that was uh, practical. I loved anything that was practical and real that was on my screen. I was, I was such a huge fan of watching television and the things that I loved to watch were, I loved watching the Muppets. I loved watching, uh, you know, Barney. I loved watching Sesame Street. I loved watching the Wubulous World of Dr. Seuss, um, Ubi. Anything that involved like real things that were on the screen that I could, you know, see and were tangible and that looked like I could, I could touch them and hold them and, and shake their hand were just, uh, I couldn't get enough of it. And um, it, it was sort of from there that I just decided, like I had a specific interest and I started buying, you know, DVDs like uh, the Muppet Show season one I had on DVD and I had uh, some controversial movies like Kermit Swamp Years and, and like Muppets Wizard of Oz that I had on DVD, but I used to watch them all the time and I would watch the bonus features. And it was it was in watching the bonus features that I saw how it was all done. Um, and it just made my decision for me. It was sort of, I was, I don't know, somehow I knew like, this is what I'm gonna do. It wasn't really like, oh, oh, those guys are doing it. Now I know that I wanna do this. It was just like, yeah, this is what I, this is just, that's just what I want to do. They're doing it. I'm going to learn how to do it so that I can do it too. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice. I love how, I love how you were just into it the whole time. Like you were, it wasn't yeah. just like, no, it's just the Muppet. It's like, I want to learn from these guys. I want to see what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much, I mean, that's part of what I loved about, you know, season one of the Muppet show is you can see, you can see all the dirty bits. You can see their heads pop up on the bottom of frame sometimes. You could see the sleeves. You could see Fozzie's arm sleeves. You could see things go wrong. You could see faces if you paused at the right time. And, you, and I got a clue. I got a clue as to how it was done. And it was it was one of those things that there's a magic to watching it the way mm -hmm. that it's supposed to be presented. And there's also a magic to how it's done under the frame, below the frame. There's There's a magic to both sides of it. And that's part of what I think makes puppetry so incredible is no matter what angle you're viewing it from it's 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 magical 
So how long did it take you to, you know, I know you're still mastering the art today and everything like that, because you're always mastering the art, but how long did it take you to really get to where you are today? Like to really get that with puppetry? Um, I started when I was five and it took until today to get to where I am today, but it took <laughs> me like a long time to feel like comfortable. Um, I, I started practicing as much as I could with, you know, like store-bought puppets. I had this one puppet that was a, uh, it was just a dog head. It was this cute little head of a dog that I got from my local grocery store here in Texas, uh, H-E-B. And I would play with it all the time. And I was, that's pretty much how I learned how to do uh, lip sync was on that puppet. And I found a, uh, my dad had gotten me for my birthday one year, a, a camera and I found a, uh, some cords and an old TV and I was able to connect the cords and have my own makeshift monitor situation where I have the camera up high, the monitor down low, and I'm able to watch what I'm doing uh, as a puppeteer so that I could learn and just, I would basically just lip sync along to the Muppet show as I was watching it. And it was that over the years. And then of course doing it, um, through elementary school and doing it through middle school and doing it through uh, high school was where it sort of like just I just never stopped and I think that's the thing with a lot of puppeteers is they just like they never stop and so that's where uh, that's where the practice comes in and, and and still today like there are still things that I watched that I did a year ago that I'm like, oh, I, ugh, I'm just not there yet. I need to practice that more. There's things that I watched that I did a week ago that I'm just like, oh, that's not, <clears throat> that could be so much better. It's, it's, it's never ending. Um, but for some reason, Sesame Street liked, <laughs> liked what I can do with puppetry and they, they accepted me into it. And so I've just been continuing to improve it as much as I can so that they don't realize that I don't actually know what I'm doing. And that brings me to my next question. How did you find the opportunity with, with Sesame Street and the Muppets? Yeah. Okay. So um, I did the, uh, it was back in 2018. There was a Sesame Puppeteer workshop mm. um, and you just had Brandon on and that's where uh, him and I met. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we did that workshop. It was three days. I met some of my closest friends there and um got to work with uh, Matt Vogel for the first time and Marty Robinson, uh, Stephanie DeBruzzo, uh, Peter Linz, um, Leslie Carrara-Rudolph. I think that was, I think that was everyone who was there. Um, and it was just this most magical three days. I mean, being like a, a puppeteer for a long time and a lifelong Sesame Street fan to be in the room with, you know, Telly and Ernie and, and, and Big Bird and the Count and Fairy Dawn just like oh it was incredible it was just so incredible to see and so um and just to be a part of and what did that and then I was so just proud I was like I did it if nothing else comes of this I did it like I made it there they saw me my my puppetry is at least to the standard of them saying you have potential I'm like, how could I ask for anything more? That's just, that's just the best. And so um, then a couple of years passed and I pretty much realized like, oh, I think they, I think they forgot about me and that, and that's okay. I think, you know, I, I was on their list and, and uh, 
you know, I didn't really uh, keep in touch as much as I should have. And um, I was like, that's okay. And, and I was like, let me just work on like a puppetry demo reel and, you know, start keeping in touch with Martin Robinson because I had his email. So I kept in touch with Marty for a little bit. And then um, after about a year or so, I sent him, um, this was over COVID. I finally had time to make myself a puppetry demo reel, which I had never made before. And so I went ahead and sent him my reel and I said, hey, you, you know, if you could just watch this and tell me what's wrong with it, uh, you know, if I need to add more emotion, if it needs to be less singing, does it need to be shorter? Like, what uh, what do you want to see from this? And he said, um, hey, this is a great reel. Uh, I'm going to send it over to Matt Vogel. I was like, oh, gosh. Uh, okay, no, that's not what I wanted. I just wanted you to tell me what was wrong with it. And uh, he was like, hey, Matt loved your reel as well. Where do you live again? And I'm like, um look anywhere you want me to live mr robinson I don't know. and so then we, it started this whole conversation and one thing led to another he said uh, the producers will be in contact with you shortly about an audition that we're having it's like oh my goodness that's whoa and uh they were they contacted me about the opportunity to audition for two brand new characters they were bringing to sesame uh called uh wes and elijah wes was a five-year-old boy and elijah was his father uh, or is his father. And so uh, I panicked and got so excited and I just was so thankful. And uh, I made a reel, and, or not a reel, I made like the, the video that they were asking for sort of just demonstrating uh, my puppeteering skills. And then I made a video sort of with the, I think I made a video with the script that they sent in. And then there was a live audition over Zoom, live over Zoom. And uh Gosh, that was like extremely nerve wracking. But I went in, I knew the script, I, I did everything that I could. And um, a couple, I, I, it was done and I felt, I was just like, oh, I can't believe I just auditioned for Sesame Street. I'm like, you know, once again, if nothing comes of this, I've made it this far. Like they, they, they thought I was good enough to try me out and then ask me to audition. And I got to audition with like with people who I've, I've known for a long time and looked looked up to for a long time. And that's, you know, to be, to be in the same playing field as some of these people is just, is just so wild. And, um, I, uh, a couple weeks later, I heard back from the producers, uh, from Bryce and she said, Hey, you got the part. And I was like, Whoa. So I got the part of Wes. Um, and Wes is a you know, five-year-old boy who lives on Sesame street. He's the cutest little puppet. <laughs> and I, I love him. He's, he's fantastic. And from that moment on, my life was completely changed um from there i started going to new york at least at least once a month to, to shoot uh sesame content and um started to become uh even closer with with marty robinson um started working with uh people like ryan dillon started working closely with the people like carmen osbar people you know matt vogel eric jacobson all these people because just you know Wes was being used a little more and more and more um, and then, uh, it was, I think that same, was it the summer of 2021? Yeah, it was, um, Matt Vogel, uh, asked if I was available to help with an event for the Muppets in, uh, in Brooklyn. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, 
and so I uh, was available and it was it was me and it was supposed to be Kermit and Piggy but uh, Matt had COVID he ended up getting COVID shortly before that he's fine now mm-hmm. um, but uh, he had got and so it was just Miss Piggy and I was assigned to help assist Miss Piggy and that's what I did and that was my first Muppet uh, gig I'd ever done it was incredible. I already knew Eric, so it was, I was pretty comfortable. It was just so like, now I'm sort of, now I'm in this other world. And I had gotten my first ever paycheck from Disney. It's like, whoa, that's, that's wild. And then I was asked to do um, The View to help promote Muppets Haunted Mansion. So it was Kermit and Piggy on The View, and I was again assisting Miss Piggy. And then we did um, another thing with the Muppets that hasn't come out yet. And so we'll, I'll talk about that whenever that's released. And then, uh, yeah, it's still, we recorded that very early. Um, and so did that. And then, uh, you know, I became close enough with some of the producers and, and with Matt and with Eric and everybody. And, and, uh, I was asked to help, um, on the new Muppets Mayhem show. And so I've been working on that for, uh, on and off for the last several months. And we just wrapped last week. It was incredible. And and we're we're looking forward to when it comes out, and hopefully we can get a season two. And uh, I'm just so thankful that I get to be a part of these two incredible franchises. That that like not only these characters, but these people are the reason that I'm doing what I do because they inspired me, and now they're the reason I do what I do because they advocated for me, and they said we you know we want this person to be doing this and to be helping, and so. I've I've been incredibly lucky to 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 get these opportunities and yeah that's the that's the long version I guess of, of how I made it to, to Sesame Street and to the Muppets. We love long stories on Buddy Cat, so don't <laughs> even worry about it. We had um, We've got plenty. Yep, we had um, Larry Thomas on here, who was the who's the soup Nazi on Seinfeld. His first answer took twenty minutes. So oh really? <laughs> yeah, and he answered four of my Holy questions cow. in one. So oh, that's fantastic. Yep. So you mentioned I'm in, characters. I'm in good company. Yep. You mentioned characters that you played, like Wes, Miss Piggy. How can you relate to them? Like, how do you relate to Wes? Um, I definitely. I so Wes. I was very lucky in that I got to create a lot of his personality um, since I originated that character, and um, that was very special because I I really just I was so excited to be there. And so I decided to bring that into the character. And so Wes is just this fireball of energy. And, and as as you see different Wes videos come out, you see that he just, he gets a little bit more hyper and more defined as things go on. So he's really just like, he's the kid that I always wanted to be. He's endlessly curious. He's really not shy. He has so many friends. Everyone thinks he's so cool. Or he just feels so comfortable in his own skin. And it's not that I never felt that way, but I wanted to feel that way a lot more than I did when I was a kid. Um, growing up a puppeteer can sometimes, you know, it, it puts you in a place where it's like, oh, this is, I don't know, I feel like people are looking at me funny because I do like to do this sort of thing. And then there's other times where being a puppeteer is completely anonymous and I do feel comfortable. So that was, yeah, with, with, with Wes, that was like, um, that, that's pretty much him. Is he's, he's the five-year-old that I really wanted to be. He's the kid that I always wanted to be. Um, and then Miss Piggy, I don't, though I don't play Miss Piggy, I have mm-hmm. assisted her and I'm usually just her, her right hand. So if she does this, you know, it's me doing the other hand. Um, 
And so, you know what? I've never thought about ways that I relate to Miss Piggy. I'm not sure there, there are many ways in which I relate to Miss Piggy. Her and I are, are two different people. And, and you know what? I could say the same about Eric, who plays Miss Piggy. He is, he is just a, such an awesome, sweet, relatively shy, quiet person. And if I were a teacher and he came into the parent-teacher conference, I would never believe that he said that this was his job. Ever. In a million years. Even watching him do it sometimes. I just don't believe it. It's, it's so, it's the dichotomy between him and his characters is, is incredible. That um, is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. And what about some other co-stars of yours? Like, what about some other puppeteers you mentioned? Like, how do you see them relating to their characters? Or like being, you know, or like you said, being the total opposite, you know? Right. Um, what a fun, what a fun question. Um, you know, who, who else has like shocked me? There are some people that it's like, you can see the character as a very obvious extension of who they are. Um, people like you know dave goals and gonzo or like carmen osbar and and rosita it's just it's just a right there it's right there you see you see that they're just like this is the version of them that's like comfortable and and ready to take chances and be loud and and have fun with their friends and then you see people who are quiet and shy and don't really ever say much uh and sort of like you know not that they're like weird recluses that sort of like sit in the corner of the room but they're just like these these unassuming people david rudman would be another example of someone who's like you would never guess talking to him and just like you, you guess that he's a very smart capable and efficient person but you never guess that he's cookie monster you know like that that loud beautiful deep voice that iconic voice mm -hmm. coming coming out of him it seems it seems out of place a little bit because he's just so, I don't know, just unassuming, just a, just a regular person. And, and him and I were talking about stuff because I, I was telling him the story about when I was younger um, in the back of the car on the way to uh, school, I would sit when I was, when I was little, I would sit in the back of the car and I would go like for as long as I could without coughing because I was like, oh, man, Sesame Street is never going to hire me if I can't do a Cookie Monster impression. And so I was like, oh, I need to do it. I need and I would go just as long as I could. And I got to a point where I had like some stamina. And so we were talking about, you know, doing the voice and sustaining it. And how long can you even can you even do it? And he's talking to me and just, he's just sort of like, yeah. And so when I go, I'm like this and then I come down here and then he just like goes into the cookie monster voice. And, and it's so funny because he's been doing it for 20 something years now. And automatically when he goes down into the cookie monster voice, he starts to say me instead of my. And so we're having the conversation and he starts switching up the grammar being like and so yeah i'm i use my voice here and then, and then and then when me go down here me actually feel very and i was like i don't know if you realize that you're doing this but it's just like his brain automatically switches the grammar once he's in that mode because he just turns into cookie monster he's been doing it for so long and so that's another person that it's like you you'd never know you'd never think it you'd never assume it he's just a regular old guy and then you puts on cookie monster and turns into a whole other being Mm -hmm. it's 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 so much fun to see 
that happen with puppeteers that they just transform into different people. I was about to say, it seems like, you know, outside world, they're themselves, you know, they're, you know, yeah. you're Bradley Freeman, but like, once you walk into the studio, your mind switches to, I am now Wes. I am, you know, yeah. Bradley does this, but Wes does that, you know? Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, yes. Um, that's, that's part of the beauty of, of, the Muppets over like, cause the Muppets are not just impressions or like silly voices. You really do become the character. And I was just talking to somebody about this, the idea that like, you know, some people say, Oh, I do a really good Donald duck. Right. But mm -hmm. you don't, most of the time when people say that, it means that they do a pretty decent impression of Donald duck, maybe doing like a yawn or a sneeze or whatever. Cause I can do like a, like I can do that, but I can't actually speak like Donald Duck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, I can't say any intelligible words. I can't sing like Donald Duck. I can't read a script or emote as Donald Duck like Tony Anselmo can do. And that's why he's Donald Duck because he's the only one who can do it that well. He has, he has it down. He sounds wonderful. Oh, he's one of very few. I think there's been a couple people who mm -hmm. fill in here and there, but not everybody, very few people can actually use that voice and sing. There is an album with like, like Mickey and Powell singing the classics. And mm -hmm. it's all of the, the Mickey Fab Five. It's, it's Mickey, Donald, Goofy, and Minnie. Maybe Daisy. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if I heard her voice on that one. But there's one song that Donald sings by himself. And I think it's like, one for my baby and one for the road. And it's, it's, it's Donald singing it and you wouldn't expect him to sound good, but it's like, it's so cute and pure that it can bring you to tears. You know what I mean? There's something about it. And I, I sure as heck can't do that. And so um, that's the thing about, about the Muppets is it's not like a, like you're saying, like once we're in the character, we're in the character. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the Muppets. We're not doing impressions of these characters, whether we've originated the characters or we're taking over from somebody, because that can be a whole thing is if you're taking over for another person. The point is not to do an impression of that previous person, of the previous performer. The point is to be as true to the character as you can to become the character and not be thinking about, do I sound just like, uh, I don't know, who's a Fozzie Bear? Do I sound just like Frank did? Do I sound just like uh, Jim did? Do I sound just like Richard did? You're just thinking about, is this what Scooter sounds like? Is this what Scooter would do? And, and you just become the character. And so, yeah, once once I have Wes on and he's up in the air, you know, it's me and I just talk like Wes. And then, then we we do the thing and I, I, I improv like Wes and we have fun and he he gets me excited and I feel the excitement and I feel the fun and Tamir it's it's a very similar thing it's like he's a, he's a whole other character and he's a bit more he's a bit more awkward and he's a bit more hesitant and and so he's a bit more like yeah um okay like I, I don't know if I really I don't know if I belong here but I'm happy that you guys have me here and so I'll just I'll just be around I'll be here in the back you need help okay you're good he's a bit more you know tentative he's he's more the me that I actually am in real life as opposed to Wes is just like who I want to be. And so, yeah, that's, that's part of the importance and, and the, and the beauty of these characters is we, we become the characters we have, we inhabit the characters. We think like the characters between takes, we improv as the characters, they are 
real. I mean, they're very, very real. And, yeah. and yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. Number one, those voices were beautiful. Number two, <laughs> that's such an amazing story. How you mentioned everyone, like this guy is this, this guy's that. But once they become the character, you know, like the cookie monster, once it becomes, yeah. and it's like, it becomes, it's not just something like, I got to memorize these lines. It's like, you know, whenever yeah. he goes down, like the story of the cookie monster going from when he lowers his voice, all of a sudden it might go to me. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It becomes, it's an automatic switch because the, these characters are always sort of living in our minds. Mm-hmm. And so we get to, we get to channel them and it sounds, you know, very actory, but it, it's true. There, there's there, there's one thing I remember, and this just happened on set for for the Muppets, and uh, Eric, who plays Animal, you know, he's sitting behind the drum set, and he just sort of has Animal there, and uh, Bill Beretta, who plays Doctor Teeth, um, sometimes will just like talk to Animal, mm-hmm. not Eric, but he'll talk to Animal, and so he's like, Hey Animal, Animal, how you doing? How you doing? Animal, okay, and then he'll just like talk as Animal. He's like, you want some ice cream? You want some ice cream? Ice cream? Yeah, you want you want butter you want butterscotch ice cream? But that's God. And he like he can't even talk. Like animal just doesn't he talks like a weirdo. He just but he can't say butterscotch. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's God. And he just like does that. And he just is real. And I'm watching this happen. And it, it, we're treating it like it's real. And because he is, I mean, he just becomes real. You suspend your disbelief because I believe in the character. Eric believes in the character. Bill believes in the character. So then why not, you know, and, and what you hear me doing is just a really bad impression of all of these characters because I am not animal. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't inhabit that. I don't know that character nearly as well as Eric does. I don't know any of the characters that I don't play nearly as well as their performers do. And I, I never, and I never could. You know, you're not animal. You're not Dr. Teeth. But you are Wes, you know? But I, yes. You are, mm-hmm. you are Wes. So that brings me to my next question. When you're preparing to be Wes, when you're going into the studio going, I am Wes, I am Wes, what are the elements that you're putting in? What are, What's going through your mind? What's, you know, how do you truly prepare for the next episode? Uh, you know, it, at first, at first it was a bit more of that. Uh, almost a mantra type thing and, and preparing myself before I walked into the studio and preparing myself and just making sure that I'm like reading the lines properly and, 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 and getting everything right. Um, it was more of a process. And now that I've been playing him for a little while longer and I've just grown more comfortable with him and I've had the opportunity, excuse me, had the opportunity to play. Um, it's changed. It's changed in that like, I can just, I don't have to be prepared at all. I mean, not, not, not prepared at all, Mm -hmm. but I don't have to like mentally work myself up to get there. It's just like, once I'm in there and I sit down, I'm in my seat, we do a quick little read through of the, of the script that's going to go on. And then I put the puppet on and bring Wes up and maybe I'll do like a couple bounces, like the, you know, the way that sort of, you know, we as people will do warm ups like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll maybe have Wes do like a couple things and then just get his energy up and I see that and then I start to feel it and then I just feel like and so with Wes the elements that I usually uh, involve are it's just excitement it sort of starts with a base of happiness and excitement that's that's where he comes from he's just he's real happy to be where he is he's really excited and he's really he's really comfortable no matter the situation he always tries his best to be comfortable and just have fun. And everyone is just a new friend 
that he's excited to meet and he's excited to hang out with. Um, that's that's just who people are to him. And and he's excited to meet you. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't judge who you are. And he's not here to make anybody's day anywhere. He's only here to to help you make your day as good as he can possibly make it. And so, but it all starts with a base level of excitement. And so it's, it's so much easier, you know, now most of us can just like walk into the studio, even if we're not really having a good day, these characters can usually help transport us into a, you know, a, a good, happy, healthy mental place. That is awesome. And how did you develop the voice? Uh, for Wes, it was really simple. Um, it's sort of just, I had, there was like concept art for the character and uh, originally, and, and, you know, he still, he still does this sometimes, but originally he was meant to be delivering a lot more emotional uh, and like heartfelt material. And so I knew I needed to pick a voice that worked for the character, but was also really simple and not obnoxious at all. And could really, you know, drive points home, but was also versatile and could get excited when he needed to and sounded as much like a Muppet as I could make him sound like while still keeping him grounded and making him a real kid. And so legitimately, it's just like, I took my voice and compressed it and compressed it and compressed it and brought it, um, pretty much, uh, brought it pretty much up here and then just decided, okay, well, that's it. And so now the only thing about it, his voice is a lot louder than mine usually is mm-hmm. so he'll be he'll be up here most of the time and be like oh hi everyone no it, it's great to see you i'm so i'm really glad to be here and, and it gets sad it gets sad but he gets a bit more whispery and it, it's okay it's okay but then he gets really excited and he can go like really really high so i you know trying to keep like some muppety things in there while also just uh having his voice be something that's regular and and it's really it's just my voice but like squished like squished mm-hmm. into like a little into like a little voice. Yeah. That is awesome. Now, buddy, don't go anywhere. I got to play a quick ad from our sponsors, Harbor Ridge Golf Course. So we'll it. be right back. This buddy cast is brought to you by Harbor Ridge Golf Course. If you're in the Erie area looking to play a quick nine, sharpen your skills on the putting green or driving range, or looking to play playing golf while having some quality time with buddies, head over to Harbor Ridge at 3730 Harbor Ridge Trail. When you're finished, head over to the Harbor View Grill to enjoy a good meal, some live music, a gorgeous view of Lake Erie, and some more good times. Call them today at 814-898-4653. Tell my buddy Adam that Buddy sent you. And that was our buddies from Harbor Ridge Golf Course. Do you play golf at all, Ed? Uh, I've played mini golf, and I'm not, I'm not good at it. I always say if the point of golf was to get the ball in the hole with as many strokes as humanly possible, I'd be on the PGA right now. Yep, yep. You can call me Tiger Woods because I could. At, the same, at yeah. the same time, if you're ever in the Erie area, please stop on down. I'll treat you to a nice meal at the uh, at the Harbor View Grill. It's got one of the most to. beautiful views of Lake Erie with a sunset that you'll never forget. So I'd love to. That sounds marvelous. Mm-hmm. Now, buddy, you mentioned earlier you grew up watching Sesame Street, watching the Muppets. I gotta first start by asking, who are some of your favorite characters? Um, immediately my mind goes to Ernie. Ernie was just—I was always so excited to see Ernie, always. Um, I know that Elmo was a favorite for a long time. Um, so between Elmo and Ernie, as a kid. Yeah, there was Elmo and Ernie. And then 
now that I've grown up, it's evolved to being Big Bird. I think there's something so magical about Big Bird because he can exist anywhere. You know, he's real. He's really big and he's, he's, he walks around. You can look at him from any angle and he's really there. Um, as far as Muppets go, I would say, I mean, obviously Kermit. Kermit's a huge favorite of mine. Um, Scooter. I'm looking at a poster that I have. That's what I just yeah. like to remind me of the Muppets. Um, you know, Scooter was definitely one of my favorites. And then uh, who else? Uh, Zoot. Zoot uh, in the Electric Mayhem. He plays the saxophone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's He was one of my favorites as well. But I just, uh, yeah, Ernie, as far as all, the, all of the Muppets go, was by far... Uh, my favorite and he's still one of my favorites today whenever whenever he's around or on set or whatever i i yeah i'm, I'm a, it's a good day nice and you mentioned a lot of puppeteers earlier have you ever met some of the originals like have you ever met like carol spinney or um frank oz any of those that have actually like that brought all these characters to life that that kind of like paved the way yeah i i did get to meet carol spinney one time at a, at a comic-con um this was i wish i remember what you i think it was in 2018 and um he was you know not not really able to speak at that time but i i was able to tell him that i um was a puppeteer and uh that i got to do the sesame workshop and his eyes sort of lit up and he gave me a, a bird feather that he had and so I, I still have that big bird feather and he signed my book and it's, it's up on my bookshelf now. Um, it was a magical moment. I got to meet uh, Steve Whitmire, who I looked up to for a very, very long time. Um, he was at the table next to Carol. And so uh, Steve and I had some nice conversations and he invited me to the Muppets panel or to the Sesame Street panel that was happening the very next day. And he made sure that I was there and he was very excited. And I gave him a uh, drawing that I made of him. I gave Steve a drawing that I made of him and um, I I printed it out and I, and he really liked it. And, and uh, he asked me to sign the back of it. And that since maybe about a week after that, that drawing has been his profile picture on Instagram since, since that day. So if you, if you look him up on Instagram, his profile picture is the drawing that I made of him and and gave to him at that con. Um, I also, uh, have had the amazing pleasure to be uh, to become good friends with Marty Robinson. Mm. Um, and he's been a, you know, I think he's now the longest tenured Sesame Muppet performer, um, you know, working with Sesame Street um, since it was him and Carol and then Carol passed away and it became Marty. And so it's been a huge honor. He, he worked with, I mean, he did get to work with Jim and Frank and everybody while they were around Richard and got into fights with Richard, all sorts of stuff. Like just Jerry Nelson, all of these people that, you know, I never got the opportunity to meet. Um, and then most recently I got to work with Dave Goals, um, who of course, original Muppeteer on the Muppet Show. I have adored Dave Goals for such a long time. And the fact that I actually got to work with him and assist him with his character. And we had such a beautiful bonding moment over understanding like because zoot was already one of my favorite muppets and the fact that i got to help him with zoot and we figured out some cool stuff that you'll see in the show it was very fun um and we had some very nice bond and then he gave me a ride back to my hotel 
which was very sweet of him. Okay. Um, so yeah, we've I've I've gotten the opportunity to work with so many incredible people that have influenced me in my life, and one of the incredible things has been the fact that none of them have ever let me down in terms of like they are just as sweet and giving and generous if not sweeter or more giving and more generous than i ever thought they could be um so they i i I, i'm so grateful i'm so grateful and so lucky that i've gotten to work with these people and that all of my heroes and people that i've looked up to have been some really incredible wonderful people that is awesome. I'm glad to hear that everyone there is just kind-hearted, sweet. There's no bad blood or there's no like, you know, oh, yeah, that's uh, so-and-so. Stay, stay yeah. away from them. Just just let them yeah. do their thing and you just do your thing and life will be good. You know, when like everyone knows, you mean the guy who plays, what's it, you know, the guy who plays Gonzo is a jerk in life or something? <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or like There's, the guy who plays Rizzo is really like that tough hearted or something. You know? know, honestly, they're they're all so sweet. And we're all we're all human with faults and we've all made mistakes and but at, at the very core, you know, nobody was ever um at least, you know, in, in my experiences with these people and, and 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 many people's experiences with each other, um no one's ever been an outright like mean or ugly person um through 40 years of being human of course you'll hear stories of mistakes that were made and things people have learned from um but aside from that like i I can't fault anybody for being human and and everybody everybody that i've met has been incredible and and so sweet and so kind and so loving and so uh open and inviting which is which is another thing that you know there's within the puppeteer community especially within you know sesame street and the muppets um one thing that if you're ever around you'll you'll hear a lot is about the fact that um they're very specific to to you know bring in people who get along with everybody and will keep up that same energy um that has been there from the beginning that it's just a group of friends doing their best to put on a crazy wacky absurd show um, if you're coming in to just to be the star, if you're coming in to cause problems or like, we're not, we're not going to, if this is just your resume builder. Yeah. 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 It, especially if it's something like that, we're, we're not trying to put any oil in the water. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're just, we're trying to keep it as fun and happy and healthy and, 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 uh, fruitful as, as we can, as we can get it. They've got the formula. They're sticking to it. They're not changing a thing. There's no need to, we figured it out. Mm-hmm. Now, buddy, you said earlier you grew up watching The Muppets. You grew up watching Sesame Street. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from these shows? Great question. What a great question. Um, being kind to people, that has always been a major factor in my life, trying to make sure that I'm always as kind as I can. Um, some Sometimes you you're not and you regret it but but you know doing my best doing my best to be mm-hmm. as kind as i can always be um and making sure that i own up to any mistakes that i make um some other things oh, i think one of the biggest things between sesame and the muppets that it works both on camera and and under the camera is is collaboration 
and uh, working well with others, which sort of just harkens back to that last point, which is that like, it doesn't, doesn't, there's no one star, you know, it's all, it's about the group. It's about the ensemble. It's about the team. And we as a team are trying to make this uh, the best show that we can. It's, it's, it's not about any one person. I mean, sure. There are like, you know, standouts, like obviously Elmo stands out and he's a big part of the show, but Elmo wouldn't really be able to do much if he didn't have anybody to play off of, you know, and, and mm -hmm. he wouldn't have developed the personality that he did had it not been for the other puppeteers on set and the other characters on set. And as part of the success of Sesame Street, it's, it's, it's a team and that's the success of the Muppets. They're the Muppets. That's their thing. Like their, their whole noun is this plural, it's Muppets. It, it, it's a whole team of people under and on, in, on camera learning how to work together and collaborate and just be, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you do. Do you have a good idea? Are you fun? Are you funny? Great. Okay, cool. Uh, is your is your whole act about throwing fish? Well, it's entertaining, so bring it on. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's 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 all about the team, and uh, you know, putting the best idea forward, no matter where it comes from. So I think yeah, that's probably one of the biggest lessons. That is so awesome, and it's it's so awesome that it's such a fun show is so important to this day. It brings such importance. Like you know, how do you how much do you think Sesame Street is important to? to kids today, which are the, the lessons that they bring on. Can you even measure it? I mean, that's that's tough to say. Uh, the times and Sesame Street have changed since, this, since 1969. Um, you know, if you watch an episode from there, from, from, from the 60s, from the 70s, it's, it's changed. It's changed quite a bit, but it's changed to reflect the world that we're in, you know? Mm -hmm. And and Sesame has always been um, a street, a show where you can learn a good lesson, whether mm -hmm. the lesson is reading or writing or just, you know, how to be a good person, how to be a good friend, how to learn how to how to trust people, learning how to um, just be a smart, kind, strong person. I, I'm not in research, you know, I'm not one of the people that's at Sesame Workshop doing the research, but I know how Sesame Street affected me. And I know how it's affected some of the people around me and, and even people who raised me. Um, and its impact is, is, is huge. It's, it's huge because if it, if nothing else, even if you're not learning the lessons or understanding the language, then you have, you have friends. You know, so the people on Sesame Street, the, the characters, Big Bird and Elmo and everybody, they're your friends and, and they, they know you like they, they, you are their best friend before you even get to meet them. And that's, that is special. That is very, very special. If nothing else, being able to be a friend to a kid who's, who I've never even met before mm -hmm. is, is, is really, really special. And I, can't wait to meet whatever kid that may be who is like feels that they're very good friends with Wes or feels that they're very good friends with Tamir like no matter what if if that's who they <laughs> if that's how they feel then you know they've already met me and I, I couldn't I would love to be able to meet them in person so yeah I mean mm -hmm. friendship and all those things with that have you ever thought of doing like comic cons or anything like that where you can meet those true fans or do you do like any public appearances um, anything along rare, those lines I've never thought about it. 
Um, I don't, I don't see that being a thing for me right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe pretty far out into the future. Um, mm-hmm. if, if my characters have any, uh, you know, proper staying power, um, then, then possibly, but you know, for now I'm, I'm happy to be, uh, in, in, in the vacuum of the studio and, and having the beautiful puppeteer anonymity that we all get to have. Absolutely. Superman style. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, one thing I love about Sesame street, they're not afraid to go into the deep stuff. They're not afraid to talk about, okay. Like situations like death. Um, what happens if a loved one goes away for a little bit because they did something wrong. You know, um, what happens if you meet someone and they're different from you? Like they have autism or, you know, but you're still curious. Like you're st- you don't know what autism is. So here's, here's an introduction to it. That's what I love most about Sesame Street. They're not afraid to explain. And they do it in such a heartfelt way with kids mm-hmm. that you cannot, that even an adult who, you know, if that a kid who's three years old can understand that, yeah, yeah this person has autism but they're just like me yeah you know? they yeah. just they can't they don't like loud noises or you know a bunch of other things that you know that i can't list at the moment but they're just like me the biggest difference and the one thing that i've um i've actually reached out to sesame street in the past and i'm hoping to continue this outreach is i have a form of dwarfism called hypochondroplasia translation i'm a little person i would love it if Sesame Street was one day able to put a character with dwarfism on to help explain to kids that just because this kid's smaller than you, just because this guy over here is smaller than you, doesn't mean they're different from you, you know? That's a very good point. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think, yeah, I mean, Sesame is not afraid to go there. I think not maybe the question is, I'm not sure that that's specifically what's been on Sesame Workshop's mind at this moment, mm-hmm. but I, I can, I can certainly bring it up and, and ask, ask the question. Um, I would love that. Cause yeah. I think with, you know, I'm the, um, I'm the advocacy director for our local LPA, low people of America for our local mm-hmm. chapter here. And just, it's so much, it'd be so much easier, you know, when we go into schools, when we go into, you know, when we, like if you and me were to walk on the street, you know, and just, you know, like after we say we get lunch, we walk down the street and a mom and her son walk by, you know, like her five-year-old son walk by, you know, you can see it. You can see the look in the child's eyes. You can see like, I'm obviously the first little person they've ever seen before. So they're curious, just like, just like your character on Sesame street, you know, mm-hmm. like they're always curious. They're always wondering. They're always asking questions. They're always yeah. willing to, you know, and you know, kids nowadays, it's, you know, they're, they speak whatever comes to their mind. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like you or me, who's kind of like, just keeps it in their head. I wonder what's going on with that person or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's always like, mommy, why is that boy so small? You know, I always get yeah. humor out of the reaction from the parents. They always act like I'm going to like lash out or something. So yeah. they always yeah. other face like, okay, time to go. You know? Yeah. They do. Yeah. That sort of thing. Exactly. But um, at the same time, we welcome the education, just like Sesame Street. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's something. Um, it's it's an interesting thing, and I'm wondering how that would play well with Muppets. But I'm mm-hmm. sure we could we could figure a way to do it. 
but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things like with, with race, which is sort of a, a, um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not what, back in the forefront is not the correct word, but it, there's been, there's been sort of a, a spotlight on sort of the, the inequalities that, that people that are of different colors are experiencing. And, and there's been sort of a, a lack of tolerance for, uh, non-inclusivity and, and, and for lack of diversity. And so Sesame is just the sort of a, everything is sort of worked out in this way that while that's in the spotlight, we're, we're, we're handling the situation as best we can. And that's part of uh, um, Wes's uh, and Tamir's mission is to like have, start the conversation is to introduce it. It's not, it's not exactly to solve racism that's that's a that's a bigger thing but what we can do is what we can we can educate we can educate children on on what is race and and why do some people look different than others in the case of race it's it's just melanin you know some of us have more melanin some of us are from different parts of the world and 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 look a little bit different and have different cultures and but we're all the same at our core we're all just people Mm -hmm. and and that's the only difference. And, and what we can do is we can learn how to embrace all of the different colors that we are. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and we should learn to do it and not just colors, but we can even learn to embrace, not learn to embrace, but we can embrace all of the different sizes that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many things that are still uh, stones that are left unturned that are not out of the realm of possibility to be happening. Mm-hmm. Um but that, Sesame that, Street is not afraid to overturn to overturn those stones. Sesame Street will do it. Sesame Street will do it, and because it, it's it's for the benefit of the children. I mean, that's part of what Sesame Street was created for. It was it was created to help educate um, and prepare, um, you know, the, the inner city youth for for um, I think it was for kindergarten to make sure that they had at least some sort of intro to grammar and spelling and, and reading before they before they actually even started school because they were falling behind and that's what sesame street was for and so it, it's it's only fitting that it would be the continuation to then now have the more because before the characters were created sort of you know as a rainbow of colors of you know the red and the orange and the yellow to sort of represent anybody it doesn't matter what race or what color you are you you can identify with anybody which is still the truth. Um, but now we're talking more explicitly about it and introducing characters uh, like Chi Young, who are, you know, of a, of a specific uh, race or ethnicity, characters like Tamir, characters like Wes, characters like uh, Gabrielle. And so um, that's, that's part of the mission right now is to, is to have that explicit conversation, show that it's okay. And, 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 let kids understand that like it's this is some people just look different and that's and that's fine and a lot of it is for the parents too um to 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 understand that it's it's okay for us to look different we can all still be friends and even if you don't like let's i don't care who identifies with wes or tamir i i don't care if you're a little boy or a little girl or if you're black or if you're brown or if you're white or if you're from korea i don't if you identify and you feel like you have some sort of a a connection to to any one of the characters then that's how you should feel it it shouldn't be just about that and so 
that's that's why I love exactly what Sesame Street is doing because it's just it's starting that conversation that parents don't really know how to start yet. It, mm-hmm. just, it opens it up for the kids to ask questions so they can actually talk about it. Um, and it's beautiful and inspiring. And I hope we get to cover even more topics uh, mm-hmm. soon. I love it. I saw even last month, you know, even in uh, or even in June, I saw a poster on their um, on their Facebook page that said, "This is everybody's street." Yeah, it's true. And that's the that's the example of what it is. It's everybody's street. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're one hundred percent right. We just talked about a bunch of lessons that Sesame Street has taught. What are some of the best lessons you've personally seen through the show? Best lessons I've seen through the show. Hmm. Um, you know, I think some of the best lessons have been not uh, tiptoeing around a topic. I I love the fact that Sesame Street has found the language to just speak about things, you know, frankly, honestly, and in a way that's easy to digest. And I think the the first video that Wes ever did is a great example of that. Um, just talking about like, well, why is your skin a different color than his skin? Well, it's because of melanin. Oh, okay. And that was it. It's that it's, it's for some reason, it shocked me that it could be that easy to describe. And since then, it sort of just enlightened me to this idea that like, it is just as simple as that. So many things are a lot more simple than they seem. And I am so grateful for that moment and for that script and for all of the scripts that I've gotten to do, because they've, they've been a great example of it's it's it can be a delicate conversation but the reason behind it the reason for your skin color the reason that we celebrate this and you celebrate that is not actually that complicated we do it because of this oh we do it because of this oh cool okay then let's have fun let's just have fun together mm-hmm. it's just it, it it can be so simple and, and can. uh i i love that message and it gives me a lot of hope it can be so simple and it can be taken a long way. It can be taken into adulthood. That's why I said, you know, if it's easy for someone to understand disabilities, if it's easy for someone to understand, you know, that this person's different race than you, and that's it. That's all, yeah. that's all that's different about them. They can take it into adulthood knowing that that person's just like me. So what? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So what? They're, you know, they have autism. They're still a human. Yeah, it's it's crazy because you, when you learn it as a child, you can sort of you normalize it in your head. I mean, that's that's all kids do. Is they um, somebody told me a story of of they were talking to their little girl, and there was a scene in a movie, I guess, that had come on, and it was it was two women or two men or something, and they like kissed and said goodbye or something because they were a couple in the movie, mm-hmm. and just sort of as an experiment, the mother or whoever was watching this, this little girl said like, Oh, well, what do you, what do you think about that? And she's like, think about what? She's like there's two boys kissing. She's like, Oh, well, you know, some boys love each other like that. So, and that was it. Like there wasn't any like hatred. There wasn't any like bigotry. It wasn't like, Ooh, it was just like, Oh yeah, some boys love each other. 
and it just shows how simple it can be for a child. It, it, it really just is that easy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing malicious about it. There's, it's just like, yeah, that's a thing. I'm also wearing shoes. I'm going to finish the movie now. Yeah. It's that simple. It is. And that's why I'm always saying like that stuff can be learned. Hate can also be learned. I don't think a child ever comes out of the womb going and their first words are, I hate you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. learned. So you're right. It can go in either direction. It can go in either way. And so, why not go the direction of love? Exactly. Why not go in the positive direction? The direction of tolerance. Mm-hmm. I also love Sesame Street so much because of all that it's taught. Like you said, it's all that it's done. I You just reminded me of a story that I had. Um, my grandmother worked with this one gentleman and um, he was from a different, he was from a different country. But his English was on point. It was everything. He didn't struggle or anything. And my grandmother asked him, she's like, how did you pick up English so fast? Like, how did you learn it? And he said, I watched Sesame Street growing up and I was able to keep up with it. It was the one show that I could keep up that I felt like I was on pace. Like there was no like I was being rushed to understand. I just I kept up with it. And that's how I picked yeah. it up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Sesame Street is a, is a special. It's a special thing. It's mm-hmm. it's and it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest honor of my life to be working with people and with characters and on a set that all quite literally belongs in a museum. And yes. there are pieces of it in different museums around the world or around the country that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So it's it's and it's affected so many people in so many ways. And I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. I think Fozzie's now at the uh, National Comedy Center. Is he really? I think so. Or he was there at one point. That's so so, funny. I would love to see that. Yes. So, buddy, I got two more questions for you before we close out this episode. The Go first one is brought to us by our buddy Jonas Kane at Hashtag Positivity. He wants to know, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? What does it mean to be someone's buddy? I've got a few buddies in my life. And I think it just means, you know, you knowing that uh, that they're there for you, no matter the situation, no judgment, no no qualms. Just I am here to help you. I'm here to be. I'm here to be your buddy. I'm here to be the person that you need to listen to. I'd love for people to know that I'm their buddy, and I'm here to listen, and I'm here to help in any way that I can. Um, I'm here to help you not feel alone, and I'd love and I love when I have buddies that help me feel that way. That help me feel special and cared about and listened to and and are there to like make me laugh and just help me help me smile on a bad day. Um, there's there's a lot I think that comes with the title of buddy, but it, none of it is none of it is none of it is bad or a burden. It's all uh, some beautiful some beautiful responsibilities. That is awesome, and we finally come to what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready for this one? I I hope so. For anyone out there who wants to be a puppeteer, what's your advice to them? For anyone out there who wants to be a puppeteer, what's your advice to them? Um, For one thing, part of it is like getting to Carnegie Hall. It's just to practice, practice, practice. That's one thing. Um, The other is to just be a good person. part of being a puppeteer is being a buddy to all of the other puppeteers around you. So just be a good person 
and practice. Practice acting. Don't just practice puppetry. You know, practice manipulation as much as you can, but also practice acting, practice character work, practice manipulating your voice, practice uh, music, practice singing, uh, maybe practice an instrument or two. Uh, really just expand your range as much as you can and, and have it, if you have a drive for puppetry, then, then keep that drive for puppetry because you know you'll do it no matter what. But expand your horizons past it because a lot of puppetry can really uh, be helped by if you have previous onstage experience. When you're voicing your character, you learn how to project and how to keep that character alive and how to make sure that like you are using the range of your voice to its fullest extent when you have to be really big as a puppet because you can only be so big as a character. Your voice can be even bigger and translate that emotion even more. There's a benefit to being able to be on stage. There's a benefit to learning how to act because you can take those smaller moments and really become the character. You're Again, you're not doing an impression, but to be emotional while doing a Grover voice can really feel silly. But if you're a really good actor, then nothing feels silly about it and everybody believes it. Everybody buys into it. Um, so that would be my advice. Practice as puppetry as much as you can and practice everything else you want to do as much as you can because it all it all comes together somehow. Love it. I have one more question. I lied. I have one more question. What does Wes think of Buddy Cast? Um, uh, Wes is just kind of jealous that Bradley got to be on it and not me. But maybe one day we can make it happen because you seem like a really good buddy, Nick. That would be awesome. We should do that. We That's a great idea. If we get permission, we should absolutely do that. Okay, we can figure it out, I'm sure. Yes. Well, buddy, thank you so much for being here on BuddyCast. It was a pleasure. Stick around for a minute. We'll chat for a little bit afterwards. But thank you for all for everything today. It was a great episode. I learned thank so you. much. I'm... I'm I'm a big fan of the Muppets and Sesame Street. So this was a huge honor. Me too. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. It was an honor for me too. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Bradley Freeman. And buddy, I got one favor to ask you before we close out this episode. Whatever you do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, go be someone's buddy. Can you do that for me? I can do that for sure. Solid. We'll catch you all next time here on everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast, buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past, buddy, buddy, tune in to BuddyCast. Don't be lonely, make it, buddy, here on BuddyCast.